is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! All right, welcome back to Blue by 90. I am Justin, joined by Jack and Kaylin as always. And today we have another special guest on, uh, another member of the media, uh, Michigan, Michigan reporter uh, from SB Nation's Maze and Brew, Trevor Woods. Trevor, how you doing? Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, great. Just happy it's football season. Happy fans are in the stands and humans are in the press box and Michigan's 3-0. Everything's a little better in Ann Arbor when Michigan football is winning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what has been, we'll jump right into it, I guess, when, now that you mentioned the press box. I know that can be, you know, a little dicey. I heard some uh, some fun comments uh, at the Jim's press conference on, uh, I believe that was Monday too. But what's the vibe been in the press, co- uh, press box during these games so far? Well, I mean, when you see ass kickings like last Saturday where Michigan beat Northern Illinois 63-10 to 10, and Cade McNamara had a good showing, showed some good deep accuracy, 8 of 1,191 yards. Then when you lead the nation in rushing and when there's a defense that is now getting the pass rush home and the secondary is playing at least adequately to this point, uh, there's not a whole lot of shade being thrown Michigan's direction or Jim Harbaugh's direction by media or fans alike. Uh, things are fairly positive, fairly objective, I'd say, through three weeks in the season. The production, the output of Michigan has been pretty good. Of course, it's been a non-conference play, so we're going to see in the upcoming weeks ahead. Their schedule gets tougher, Big Ten season, so we'll find out, but uh, – I guess to put it in one sentence, so far so good. Now, Trevor, when uh, when you're up in the press box, I know we had Chris Breiler, who works with uh, Brandon Brown and SI. We had him on a couple weeks ago, and he was like, he's like, man, well, there was what the first touchdown of the game or something what, for his first game up there. He's like, I showed a little bit of emotion, and nobody else really did anything because it's kind of frowned upon. Are, are you kind of the same way? Are you are you quiet, or you kind of release a little bit of emotion when Michigan's doing well up there? You know what? When there is a wow play. Um, you know, might rock back in the seat a little bit, but uh, <laughs> through the years, even being a fan, just I can only speak for me personally. That's kind of how I am and the teams I root for anyway, that, uh, you know, you don't get too high. You don't get too low because uh, a lot can happen in a three hour span. Right. Uh, I, I've seen some crazy games, uh, not Michigan and Michigan where, you know, down 17, nothing, things look really bad and then things turn around. So uh, yeah, you'll, you will see some people showing emotion, uh, but overall pretty subdued, pretty quiet atmosphere. Uh, Obviously the fans, the fans are rowdy and uh, we're a little uh, muffled in there, these big windows. So for example, the Washington game, that was a rowdy crowd. Uh, there's not a whole lot of games where the fans, it really penetrates through that glass and we can feel it. But that one, I actually say we could. So that game in uh, particularly is one I'll remember is definitely a rush, you know, and, uh, but the bottom line, 
being up there is cool. We're, we're all very fortunate. Uh, we're very fortunate to have a rule that, hey, you know, this is a working press box. They'll give the warning before the game. It's a working press box and uh, basically telling us don't cheer and uh, you'll be asked to leave if you continue to do so. So uh, we uh, follow accordingly. So sounds like I'm not sure if uh, if we'd be allowed in there. We're usually <laughs> screaming at the TV or something when we're watching. Yeah, that, pe- probably, people that, probably be the only yeah, ex- reason we're not allowed. In there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I got a quick funny story for you. Actually, a, a few years ago, uh, it was a night game. I can't recall who right now, but it's a night game at Michigan, and uh, the press box, just like I depicted, very quiet. And Michigan scored a touchdown. We hear these cheers in the press box and who I'm around. We all look to the left and there are a couple of fans in there for a moment. (laughs) And they're just, they're just sitting there uh, where the media is. And they realized at that moment that they were in the wrong spot. They want to level up and uh, you're not supposed to be cheered in there. And then they very awkwardly walked out of the area. So uh, I'll never forget that one. (laughs) That's awesome. That, that would be us. Like, oh, oh yeah. we're like drunk or something and supposed to be in a suite or something. So yeah. supposed to be somewhere else. And we just wander into the wrong place. Uh, that, yeah, that you could see us at some day. Up there, so. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. This, this Michigan team has shown, um, you know, really good things through three games. And so, um, you know, we're going into the Rutgers game this, uh, this Saturday. Uh, Big Ten play is upon us, which is, you know, a pretty big deal. Uh, I just I think actually the Rutgers game is a perfect like lead into Big Ten play. You don't you know, I I think Wisconsin versus Penn State, they both both drew short ends of the stick, you know, week uh, one or two. That was, I believe, two. Uh, You know, I'm glad that Michigan doesn't play Big Ten games right away. Um, But, you know, going into the Big Ten season, what do you think Michigan now needs to do in order to prove their legitimacy as a you know contender in the Big Ten East? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, you know, at its core, a simple question, just keep playing the way you have, but obviously against better competition. Uh, do the same things. You know, they, they have been fairly uh, uh, fundamentally sound. I mean, not, not turn the ball over on offense, not committing an abundance of penalties on the other side of the ball on defense, which absolutely plagued them a season ago. And then uh, just the hustle. You're seeing hustle on defense. Guys are flying to the ball Uh, offensively. Look at that offensive line. They're looking the best they have since perhaps even like 2016, just as far as a strong start to the season, leading the nation in rushing but what do we got to see out of Michigan? Just uh, it, it's all in prove it territory now, right? I mean, Brad Hawkins said the other day, safety Brad Hawkins, that fans, people are just waiting for them to slip up once to tell them they suck. So uh, <laughs> they're paying attention to the outside noise. They can say whatever they want, but they're fully aware through the years, especially the past couple, the, the Paul Fine bombs of the world, uh, they're ready to talk trash and shove some negativity down their throat so it's their choice and uh, to this point they've been using it as fuel uh, they're going to keep having a chip on their shoulder no matter how good they get uh, they are crapped on and they were so crappy a year ago that uh, you know that's something that doesn't uh, get wiped away real quick in the memory so I think the 
their past failures are fueling them to this point. Yeah, I mean, a couple quotes that I've seen, not just this week, but there was one particularly, um, I'd have to go back and check the exact quote, but it just seems like they are not satisfied with mediocrity, which you can say that year in and year out that guys, you know, want to succeed and they obviously want to go 12 and 0 and beat Ohio state and beat Michigan state, blah, blah, blah. But it just seems right now, like even with the success they've had in past years, what we've seen from a Michigan team is kind of getting that big head a little bit and, and thinking already that they've done, you know, done something. This year, they're kind of like, this doesn't mean shit to us right now. We're 3-0, but what is that? that? That means nothing. We we need to go in week in and week out, win that week, and then it starts, you know, clock starts over. And then you win the next week, and then you keep going. And so, I, I don't know. Have you felt that from the players in press conferences and, and you know, the coaches alike? Because I do think it's come from the coaches on down to the players as well. Yeah, I'm glad you just mentioned the coaches at the tail end of that question because I think you're exactly right. Every single year you're going to have a coach speak to a certain degree or, you know, the same type of mentality, reshuffled a word here or there, but the same overall premise. But it's all about uh, do they buy in or do they not buy in? And that starts with coaches and, you know, how they're able to – you know, get the best out of their guys and credit to Jim Harbaugh for taking that pay cut and trying to get in what he thought was the best hires, a bunch of young energized guys with some NFL experience and defense coordinator, Mike McDonald quarterbacks, coach Matt Weiss. Then you got a former, you know, stud, one of the best running backs in Michigan history in Mike Hart as the running backs coach. Now, you got a bunch of guys who they don't want Michigan and being an assistant coach on Michigan to be their last stop. They are ascending coaches who have head coach or coordinator aspirations, and they want to get there as quickly as possible. Michigan's a great platform for them to do that, succeed at Michigan, and you can succeed elsewhere down the road. And, uh, Mike Morris, I believe it was him yesterday, but talking about in practice how they'll get chewed out, but it's in a different way. And these coaches just they're demanding more from them on a rep to rep basis in practice, appointing things out. Just, hey, nope, you're doing it wrong. This is how you should do it. Or just not telling them they're doing good when they're not doing good. I mean, there's so many elements to even let's just say a good outside pass rush. Right. And the best they're there's so many different fundamentals at play within a two second span. So there's always something more to coach. Uh, Blake Corum, for example, running back Blake Corum was saying how he'll go to the sideline and ask Mike Hart, Hey, what did you see? What did you see? And then Hart will tell him just from Hart's perspective. Oh, you know, if, if I was you, if, when I was a player, I would have done this. So you're having a whole lot more of that. You're having a whole lot more energy from Jim Harbaugh, who says he is at playing weight. Now he looks as good as he has in years. Uh, so you're just yeah. seeing energy from the top down. And I, I think that has a uh, complete ripple effect. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're seeing the energy and you're, it sounds like the whole team, coaches, players, all the staff included just has that not satisfied mentality. And that's, that's huge. You got to love it too, right? Cause it's, it's definitely that sense of like the players 
pick up the energy that the coaches put off, right? Like you play the way your coach like tells you to play in a way, I guess. And I don't, I know I see it at least from TV, but can you feel that at the press conferences and when you're interviewing players and things like that? I can Harbaugh uh, in particular, like I said, it starts from the, starts from the top down. Uh, and he is obviously the lead man. Uh, this guy's definitely has his chin out, chin up, uh, you know, chest out and definitely a little more swagger and confidence to him this year uh, and not letting uh, things beat him down. And uh, you know, Harbaugh used to be a guy at university of San Diego to where he would uh, run with the players. And uh, uh, that was a time in his life where he would whoop them. He was a player in the NFL a couple of years before and they'd be the ones getting tired, not him. And then uh, fast forward his time at the 49ers and there was a practice where they were down some quarterbacks and tied in Delaney Walker sees some guy coming out and who's that? And it, it's Jim Harbaugh and pads fully padded up with a helmet <laughs> on. And he took reps the whole practice at quarterback and Walker said he did pretty good except for the deep ball. And uh, um, my point is that this year Harbaugh is back to, to trying to show toughness with the team. There is a video of him a month ago uh, pushing sleds after practice. And uh, that's the type of thing that resonates with uh, younger players. You know, you got this, this middle-aged man trying to fight for you and trying to do what you're doing. And uh, I know they get a kick out of it, but uh, like I said earlier, things like that have ripple effects, you know, uh, that if, if this guy's doing it, maybe I should uh, do it a little harder and do it a little better than the, the guy pushing 60. Yeah, I mean, I think that the coaching staff changing their attitude a little bit and Jim Harbaugh specifically changing his attitude, it seems has made an impact on everybody. Um, you know, I think that going specifically to the quarterback position, we've seen uh, Cade McNamara kind of take on what Jim was when he was, you know, and even JJ too, you know, they have that, that Jim Harbaugh mentality too. Uh, they're, they're the same quarterback that Jake Rudock and Wilton Spate were, um, you know, Kate specifically where it's, uh, you're not going to make mistakes. Very, very smart game manager. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to show some grit as well. Um, but you're going to mostly lead your team. And, and even with Cade not having the stats that, you know, obviously, uh, uh, CJ Stroud has, you know, he still is that team leader. And so, um, you know, the one thing I would ask, though, is obviously Michigan's number one in rushing in the nation, but I just looked it up and Cade McNamara is 114th in passing in the nation. Does that concern you at all, even with how Michigan's offense has clicked? Does it concern that it's so run heavy and Cade has not uh, not shown, you know, those unbelievable stats? Well, part of that you could say, yes, is the, the rushing prowess Michigan's showed to this point, which has been very productive and very stout. But McNamara, you know, he didn't play a whole half against uh, Northern Illinois because it's a blowout. He was very efficient, 8 of 11, 191 yards. Uh, there was a PI call uh, and a couple near misses on deep balls and stats could have been even better. Uh, of course, the week before he threw for 45 yards uh, when Michigan rushed for over 350 yards. So, uh, but then the week one, same thing, McNamara, you know, he, 
he played a little over two quarters. So it's a little bit of a truncated stat line there for him. Uh, but the bottom line is, I think with the injury to Ronnie Bell week one, uh, it was smart to lean on the running game to this point. Uh, but I think we'll see more production out of the passing game as weeks go by. You're not going to continue to see such a discrepancy, you know, a 70-30 split pass-run ratio. It'll end up balancing out uh, by proxy. Uh, but against Northern Illinois, I liked what I saw from McNamara. I was a little concerned the week before with his deep ball accuracy, but McNamara went out against the Huskies last week, Northern Illinois Huskies. Michigan played two Huskies in a row. That's kind of funny and got to be a record, but uh, uh, he, he did just fine. So I'm not in the camp that Michigan has a passing problem. And I think they do have some playmakers at receiver. Dylan Baldwin, he had a little bit of an injury to start the year and needed to be caught up in the playbook. He'll come around. Cornelius Johnson, he could be a difference maker down the field. And we obviously have seen what A.J. Henning can do and Roman Wilson. Definitely two fast electric guys in the open field. Eric All tied in. He'll, he's coming around. I do think they have some weapons at receiver. Uh, they're kind of deep at receiver. So, uh, yeah, I guess what I would say is blame Michigan for having a good running game to this point and blame Michigan for blowing a couple teams out to where McNamara seated way to back up J.J. McCarthy for some reps. McNamara will be fine. Yeah, and I, I – I... Were you at the at uh, Harbaugh's presser on Monday? No, I was not, but uh, not. I know okay. all about it. I know every word. Okay, yeah. Well, I I'm not sure who. I think we all kind of know who who asked a particular question. Um, but the question was from one of the reporters there. What are the recruiting implications on running the ball so heavy? You know, essentially implying that you won't be able to recruit a quarterback or wide receiver. And Jim had, uh, had quite the answer, uh, basically completely blowing it off and, and throwing it back in the reporter's face a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, what are your thoughts there on a, the question B Jim's, you know, how Jim's responding there too. Your description to the question, you asked me that question right there was still shorter than the question. That was a bad, <laughs> that was a bad question, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In all honesty, I thought Jim's answer to the question was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. That's what uh, Kelso on that 70s show would call it burn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, I, my reaction is kind of, kind of Harbaugh's man. I, I, I don't get it. It sounded like it was uh, for some 97% complete article had to, you know, copy yep. and paste Jim's quote, throw it in there. And uh like Jim said, man, they, they want to win. So whatever you can do to win is going to help recruiting. It, it is not rocket science, and it's it's really not worthy of a question if you sit there and think about it for more than three seconds. Right. Yeah, I, I was laughing. I, I honestly – I mean, it was a terrible question, A, in the delivery, B, in the, you know, contact, uh, content of the question. Um, but I l almost loved him asking it because it gave Jim Harbaugh the opportunity to, to stomp all over it. Right. Um, yeah. So no, it was, it felt like that was like kind of older Jim 
uh, coming back out in those press press conferences where he'd be funny and weird a little bit, uh, you know, and stuff like that and quirky. And so, I don't know, just, I, you know, we asked Dan Villari uh, last week if Jim had been any different this year than other years. And he said, actually, not really. You know, he said it, it was pretty much the same. Actually, I was surprised to hear Dan say laid back Jim. Did, it, don't you guys think that was kind of how he, he said he's pretty chill and doesn't like freak out on people often? I, I don't recall that, but I'll, I do remember him saying he's basically the same dude this year as, as last year. That's yeah. what I remember from that. Right. That was the impression I got. Yeah. Well, either way, I would, well, that's bad journalism on our part to take our own interviews out of context. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, you know, looking forward to the rest of this, uh, this season too, you know, I think the big, the big headline right now is that the big 10 is wide open, right? You've got, you know, from everybody assumed that Ohio state was going to plug and play CJ Stroud and they'd, you know, do the exact same thing. Uh, but all of a sudden you've got five, six, seven teams at the top that are legitimate contenders in, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State's still going to be a contender, but not as, as dominant as before Michigan state, Penn state, Michigan, um, and then you throw in, I think, what what are going to be the X factors are teams like Maryland, even Purdue through, you know, through some uh, some wrinkles at Notre Dame, uh, Nebraska, after looking terrible, all of a sudden had a run at Oklahoma last week. And so, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten right now uh, and what's going on with those top teams and how it could possibly shake out throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, I'm actually going to use a Michigan State head coach, Mel Tucker, quote of, uh, you know, he's saying to his guys, like, they're 3-0, and but, yeah, that sounds good, but how does 3-9 and sound? So uh, I kind of get that, and uh, that's probably the only pat on the back I'm ever going to give Mel Tucker, good coach, but uh, it's just it's not what I'm paid to do. It's hand uh, compliments to him, but uh, he's right. You know, it's still early. We're just entering Big Ten conference play for the most part, and uh, a lot – to be determined, some of these 3 0 teams like Maryland, for example, they could end up having one hell of a year, right? Or they can be what Maryland has been in the past, you know, go six and five, something like that. Uh, Penn State's looking good, but uh, will that last? Ohio State not has not looked as good. Will they figure it out? Or is Ryan Day going to keep on? you know, just setting a dumpster fire and uh, creating distractions with uh, throwing uh, defensive coordinators and the defensive staff under the bus. You know, there's a lot of, lot of questions. Uh, IU on the flip side, yeah. uh, they've had a hard schedule to start the year one and two. I don't expect that to continue. I think they'll turn it around. I think Tom Allen's a great coach, but yeah, this is still a good start to the year for the big 10. And just as far as the big 10 is concerned, uh, one of the more unpredictable Big Tens uh, through late September we've seen in quite some time to where is there a major difference between Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan? Uh, it doesn't really look like it to this point. They all can be vulnerable in some ways and have shown quite a bit of strengths in others. So as fall progresses and snow starts to fall by the end of the year, which I hate saying. Uh, Don't even you know, oh. 
yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm he, sick he of the rain, let alone the snow already. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's always a gray day when Ohio State and Michigan plays. It's never a, a sunny blue sky day. It's always, you know, abysmal. So maybe it'd be bright, sunny day and rainbows this year. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. But, yeah, just to answer your question, I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the Big Ten. I don't think anybody really does. And it's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, this is what I, I think that it is going to be one of the more fun uh, fun conference schedules this year just because nobody knows what's going to happen. And honestly, my prediction is that there's going to be these big dogs that go against each other. The, you know, Iowa's and the Wisconsin's and the Penn State, Michigan's and Michigan State's and the, you know, and obviously Ohio State against everybody too. Um, and, but then I think that those X factors, the Maryland's, the Purdue's, the Indiana's, the, you know, those, they're going to like go out and beat some teams that they aren't supposed to. That's going to end up defining what, what happens in this race. And that's going to be the, the, almost the, the, the more fun part. And, as a Michigan fan, after watching Michigan over the past decade, you know, watching them do what they do and then Ohio State go 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 every year, I want everybody to beat up on each other. That's Michigan's best shot, I think, is for everybody to have a couple losses instead of, you know, everybody except for Ohio State having a couple losses, right? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, to your point, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Michigan is always a tough game through the Harbaugh area. Wisconsin's definitely got their licks in, and Michigan has roughed them up a time or two as well. Uh, point being, Wisconsin, they're playing Notre Dame this week at Soldier Field, and that's probably going to be a pretty uh, hotly contested game, a physical game. And then they got to go play Michigan, or Michigan's coming to them in Madison, but uh, they got to play Michigan the following week. So I like how Michigan's schedule shapes up in some certain respects. And to your point about Ohio State, they already have a loss, right? It might not have been in conference play, but it's still a psychological thing. They're not undefeated heading into that final game of the season. And the Big Ten's pretty good this year. So it's not inconceivable that Ohio State has two or three, something like that, losses heading into the game. So just as far as Michigan's concerned, the more these other teams be on each other, the better, as long as they are able to go away from their matchups unscathed on the loss column. I know we, I know Ro mentioned a bunch of these X-Factor teams, but he didn't mention Rutgers. Rutgers had yeah. a blowout win against Temple. I mean, they're 3-0. and I mean, what do you think about that game this weekend? Do you think that's kind of a trap game for Michigan or – it's you know what? Yeah, back. yeah, I guess let's talk about Rutgers, right? And you know what, Graciano, he's a very good coach and a very good motivator, but uh, the pass protection has been quite bad for Rutgers to start the year. And uh, Michigan, as we talked about earlier, their pass rush has looked pretty good with Aiden Hutchinson and the rest of the guys. Definitely a lot of times where that quarterback is under duress or getting hit if it's not a sack. And then uh, today, the best cornerback yeah. of – yes, let's talk yeah. about that for a second, right? The, be, the best already. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, so uh, Max Melton, uh, their brother of receiver, records receiver Bo Melton, he uh, was arrested with uh, Chris Long, who was a reserve cornerback, but still depth at their position. Uh, 
arrested with aggravated assault and possession of a weapon for unlawful purpose. It was a paintball gun, so uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it was very severe. We don't really know the finer details of it, oh, but the weird. bottom line is they've been suspended, and uh, I really would doubt that they'd play this Saturday after being arrested. So uh, that would be a major blow to a Rutgers secondary that was playing pretty good this year. They were, uh, I believe... 15th in passing yards allowed and sixth in team passing efficiency for defense. So uh, that was one of Rutgers' main strengths, and now that's taken away. Um, yeah, I'm not overly concerned about this game, but I'm not a Michigan player, so I'm allowed to say that. Some people in the comments, you know, tweet at me like, oh, hey, fall down one game at a time. I'm not going to suit up on Saturday. So uh, that's my opinion. I think Michigan is probably going to beat up on Rutgers a bit. This is not last year. And Greg Shannon actually said that. They said, we'd like to think we're a different Rutgers team. And he said, that, you know, how Michigan's a different team. And Michigan's back to being Michigan. So I think Shiano, he tempered expectations this week a bit. He was even saying, hey, you know, we're 3-0, but we're not back yet. We haven't done a thing. Uh, Big Ten plays upon us. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a, a welcome to the Big Ten once again for Rutgers against Michigan. And uh, I would be surprised if this was a close one. This isn't going to be some 48-42 triple overtime game, in my opinion. Now, what about in terms of uh, the Rutgers offense? I feel like I've been seeing the same names there for the last 10 years. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco has been the running back there for I have no idea how long at this point. Um, do you anticipate the Michigan defense giving up some more points than we might expect to Rutgers or uh, what do you see on that portion of the scouting report? Yeah. So uh, to me, once again, it still boils down to the offensive line. Noah Vedral, their quarterback uh, who Michigan's seen before uh, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a 71% uh, completion percentage, but, uh, has not been protected, sacked four times, but has been under duress a ton. And this is against teams that weren't as good as Michigan. And then Isaiah Pacheco, he, you know, had a real long run against Michigan a couple of years ago and definitely a very fast guy and asset. But he's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry this year. His longs only went for 20. And I just am not a believer in that offensive line and their ability to do enough to fend off a Michigan pass rush or the Michigan run defense. I, I just don't see it. I think the talent, talent gap has widened compared to last year between Rutgers and Michigan and brighter days are ahead for the Rutgers program with Greg Schiano. You know, Chris Ash was an embarrassment to the game of football, but uh, it's still not going to be Rutgers day in my opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I wish I, I felt as confident as you did. I don't know. I, I definitely get the trap game vibes a little bit. I think you always, you know, th as a fan, you always your mind always goes to that right before a big opponent like Wisconsin. Um, but it's it does seem like these players are are almost like too level headed to think about that right in this moment at least. But um, I mean, I agree with you, Trevor. I think that I. Michigan's probably just going to be too overpowering in the end. There could be um, some, some back and forth in the first quarter or something, but you know, with the forecast, we tweeted it out today. The forecast is rain and, and 60 on Saturday. Their running back has only uh, ran for 150 some yards in three games. 
our running backs run for 403 games. Um, you know, so I see that going in Michigan's favor. Uh, they rely on Noah Vedral to do basically everything. And so, um, you know, now I think the only question now is with what they were probably going to plan on just running the ball a ton, do they open it up a little bit with those corners out uh, and, and expose that secondary a little more? But um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that I think Michigan will will probably win pretty handily. I mean, what do you think about the spread, though? It, it just went up now with the, the news of those corners. I think it's over 20 uh, in favor of Michigan now. Well, that's the type of thing that, you know, it gets over 20. I would stay away. But uh, at the same time, I think Michigan probably will win by over 20, especially if Blake Corum is able to rattle off long runs. And uh, just about the secondary and, you know, now the hole in the Rutgers secondary because of uh, Melton getting suspended, I definitely think Mike McDonald and the defensive staff's already at work trying to see what matchups they can exploit or, you know, what this corner uh, specifically does bad, that they can nail them on one play for a big gain or a touchdown. So I do think McNamara is going to have some success uh, in running game alike. So if you if this turns out to be a big blowout, this is going to be a fourth game of the season. Do you think that Mac, um, McCarthy will play, or do you think that there's any plan to try to retain a red shirt for him or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think they would like to at this point. Uh, Harbaugh said last week that he keeps track of all that personally. Uh, you know, basically Harbaugh is saying that it's on him to make sure he don't screw it up and uh, exhaust some redshirt eligibility. Um, I think you want to save McCarthy and keep that intact unless, you know, the, the unfortunate injury to McNamara. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they anticipate, uh, you know, some we're going to have give J.J., the keys to second half or anything like that. I, I think uh, they're prepared for this to be a tough, tough matchup. Uh, that's, that would be bad going into a game already thinking you're going to blow them out. Right. The Harbaugh can't be thinking like me. Um, so that's a really good question though, about McCarthy in general. And it's, it's kind of a philosophical one at its core. Um, but he's played enough to this point in the year that uh I don't think they need to do that necessarily right now. I mean, I, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I'm for me, I don't see McCarthy. I mean, if he's as good as we all think he is, I wouldn't see a red shirt really affecting anything to do with his career at Michigan. I think once it's time for him to go and he's played well, he's going to go in the draft. Right. So, I mean, what's the point of trying to preserve a red shirt for him when, I mean, he's got to wait maybe one more year, depending on what happens with Cade. I mean, I'd say it's, keep getting him in games and keep his momentum going. And, you know, if something does happen with Cade, then you've got a QB ready to go. The weird thing for me is that there's going to be a, a, an awkward situation, a tough situation for Jim Harbaugh come next season, I think. I don't want to obviously look ahead to next season, but let's say Cade continues to play the way he has through three games and he's efficient and he gets the job done. He doesn't do anything special, but he doesn't make mistakes. Jim Harbaugh loves those guys. 
do you think that Jim Harbaugh is going to not start Cade McNamara next year after what happened, you know, through that? I don't know. That's going to be the weird thing is if JJ is like ready to go as a sophomore, but Cade has done everything you've asked him to, what do you do then if you're Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think this is the type of stuff that Harbaugh, specifically Harbaugh, he, he just don't think like that. Uh, he's too much uh, just whatever's right in front of him to this, – this is more just what guys like us talk about, you know, at the uh, tailgate I'm going right, to see you right, at uh, right, on, yeah. on Saturday. You know, so uh, it's a good thought, but uh, in my opinion, you know, McNamara, his chances now and uh, – it's all about right now. It's a, it's totally still a week to week thing that it's a continuous prove it, prove it. And uh, I guess the same can be said for McCarthy and uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he, he will play a ton and they're not worried about the red shirt at all. Right. I mean, that was a very good point. You know, he, when he's ready, he's ready. And when he's going to go to the NFL, he's going to go to the NFL. If he's as good as they say he is, it's not like he's going to be here five years. So I, I totally get uh, everything you guys are saying. Uh, but just as far as next year's concern, McNamara is going to have to kick ass the rest of the way. And then that's a good problem to have. That's the type of good controversy you want going into another year uh, that yeah. is re- could be reminiscent of, you know, the, the Henson Tom Brady debate. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the, it's the same, you know, how many times over the past 10 years has Michigan had a, a QB debate, but both of them are, are unproven, right? It's all about potential. It's all about what could they do, but none of them have really proved it. Now you've got two guys, you know, let's say this, you know, hypothetical situation does happen. You've got two guys that have proven that they're ready to go and can do it. And so that's where I, I would, you know, look to next year to be pretty excited. Um, but I know we're, we're, uh, we've got a long way to go this year too. So I, I think there are a lot of Michigan fans out there, us included, that are pretty pumped about what's going on right now, um, you know, in, uh, in Ann Arbor and in, at, uh, in Schembechler. So, all right, we'll end it with uh, if you want to give us a prediction for Saturday, score prediction. Uh, you've already given us how you think the game was going to go, but we got to, you know, really nail it down and hold you to something here. Yeah, just for you guys, because you're cool, <laughs> you're, you're, you're cool enough to be cool. So I'm going to say uh, 51-17 Michigan. Wow. All right, there you go. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Um yeah, it'll, I, I'm bummed that, like, the last of the uh, game of this month of home games is a rain game. Maybe it, it'll change by, you know, come so Saturday. Far I'm hoping yeah. for perfect tailgate, sunny, 65. That would be fantastic. That's my goal. We'll, uh, it'll be a real test of the uh, tailgate tent uh, this week. That's for sure. Oof. See if that's good. We got the weights, weights on there and trying to get it to not fly away. <laughs> We'll see, but, um, all right, uh, Trevor, go ahead and plug, uh, where everybody can, uh, can read your stuff and listen to whatever you got going. Yeah. Well, uh, Twitter would be at woods football and then SB nation's maize and brew. Just give us a follow, take a look. There you go. There you go. You guys got anything special? I saw Anthony just put out uh, an article right before we hopped on here. You got anything special that you're working on coming up that people should look out for? Man, just, just coverage, working like a dog all the time. So, you know, whatever pops up, whatever the players say and do, uh, quote-wise at a podium or on the field, uh, 
that's what I'll be covering. Always constantly evolving. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I love looking at your guys' stuff. I mean, I, I always have said it um, to you, to Anthony, to these guys, you know, for listeners of us that like the, from the couch type of stuff, you know, you guys are, are similar, but actually professional about it. You know, you, <laughs> it's not totally, you know, you know, just, a, it is objective analysis, but it's not, you know, cut and dry stuff. It's like, you know, you're actually giving some insight and, uh, you know, some personality to it, which I, I like. So um, go check out their stuff at Mason Brew. Um, obviously, we had Anthony Broom on here earlier this year. Um, we'll probably have him on again, but um, we love you guys there. Um, and then for us, you can follow us at Blue by 90 on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Blue by 90 podcast on YouTube. Um, of course, thank you to the people at Truly uh, that are sponsoring the tailgate uh, in this podcast uh, and our social media to, to give us uh, some love there. So go grab a Truly and, uh, and crack one while you watch the games uh, this weekend and everything. But uh, other than that, we will see you later this week. Go Blue. Go Blue. Go Blue.